she's a Jezebel, St. Andrew Jezebel. You're listening to the St. Andrew's Jezebel podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. My name is Ashley. I'm a third generation Panama City native. I play music, I write songs, and I also help other folks podcast. Today, you're in for a treat because we have got Kay Brackett. She's been in the restaurant business in Panama City and other places for a very long time, and she is opening up a new place in historic St. Andrews. We talk about our love of mermaids. We talk about her life as a restaurateur. And we also talk about what we love about St. Andrews, so don't miss it. We're coming up on a new season, and if you'd like to support the show, I am seeking ad sponsors for the upcoming season, and that's going to begin December the 15th. If you're looking for another way to support the podcast, you can leave me a positive review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and this will really help leverage the show's discoverability, and I want to thank everyone for their positive reviews. It really means a lot. Well, y'all, I hope you're ready to meet Kay. Sit back, relax, grab your favorite drink, and enjoy the show. Today, we are here with Kay Brackett. Soon, she'll be opening up a new restaurant called the Not Right Kitchen and Bar in Historic St. Andrews. It's where the old Cub of Cabana used to be. And so, Kay, welcome. Thank you for being here. What are you most excited about right now? Thank you for having me, Ashley. Good morning. I'm excited about finally getting all of our permits required for the seawall repairs. That's been quite an undertaking. One year. It took one year almost to the date to clear all the hurdles because anything involving marine construction is very involved. So we cleared all the hurdles, Army Corps of Engineers, EPA, State of Florida, Bay County, City. It was a lot, and it's been a whole long year. I feel like I could have had a baby by now. (laughs) But we're ready to go. The fence is up, and they should be starting seawall repair, and then things hopefully will move a little more quickly. Awesome. So what is the building going to look like? My architect is Mr. Mark Mercer. A lot of people know him, a local, and he and I have worked with the sincere intent to keep it as in line with historical St. Andrews. You know, I'm a native, born and raised here. So the last thing I want to do is put something, you know, just give me no flashing lights or, you know, gaudy, anything like that. Very in line with the quaint fishing village that we know St. Andrews to be. And also, you know, little funky, little salty, hence the name Not Right. It's a little play on words. In the years, the last couple of years, I find myself saying that a lot. You know, I'll be like, that's that's just not right. You'll watch the news, you're like, that's not right. And I love, you know, it's very nautical in the history of St. Andrews is, of course, it's a fishing village. So you'll see a lot of nautical influence as well as just some fun takes on the word. Because there are a lot of things around nowadays that just are not right, <laughs> in my opinion. I would agree. That's amazing. And so your new restaurant, Not Right Kitchen and Bar, is going to be built where the Copacabana Hotel used to be on Lake Ware. Can you tell us about that to clear up any confusion that might be circulating around town? Yes. Of course, the first question is, when is it going to open? And I don't mean this to be blasphemous or anything, but truly God only knows. Right. <laughs> I say that, but I don't, I mean it at face value 
only God knows when we will open. We still have a long way to go. So the longest outset, maybe one year, hopefully eight or nine months, we'll just have to see. It just depends on when you can get materials and get all your workers lined up and, and then weather permitting too. If you have the torrential downpour, then you can't work for a couple of days. So it's that's the first question. The second question is, well, what's it going to be? What kind of? We will not be doing raw oysters, leaving that to Hunt's and Captain's Table. They're good friends of mine. My brother Tom Parker works with Mitch at Captain's Table, so they they they're king of the oyster world. I'm gonna let them have it. So no raw oysters. I'm actually looking to do something very affordable. You know, I think everyone's struggling right now, regardless of your income. You know, money's become quite dear to each and every one of us. So we'll, we'll do like a blue plate special, very affordable, kind of like a meat and three. It's very Southern. So you'll see some black eyed peas and cornbread and fried chicken, pork chops. And of course, we'll have some seafood dishes as well with a little Cajun influence because Although I was born and raised here, I lived in Biloxi, Mississippi for 20-something years. My daughter lived in New Orleans. After Hurricane Katrina devastated Mississippi Gulf Coast, we had a lot of cooks come work for us. I had three restaurants in Biloxi, and we had a lot of cooks out of New Orleans, and I really learned quite a bit. We were already doing gumbo and etouffee, but I learned some secrets for some great New Orleans cooks. Well, I am excited to see that come to fruition because it was just a couple days ago Someone asked me, Ashley, where can I get a meat and three around here that isn't Granny Cantrell's or Big Mama's? Because those places get busy. I said, I really can't think of anywhere right now. So hearing that, that is fantastic. Now, the other question I have is someone asked me this yesterday is they were under the impression that there was somewhat of a uh, multiple year freeze on building on that property. Is that something that's just a rumor? Just a rumor. Okay. Yeah, just a rumor. I don't know what, I mean, why that would be. <laughs> who, who has the right to do that? Obviously, you can't build on the site because of the seawall. It's not safe because it's partially collapsed. So that could be how that sort of took legs, if you will. And people were saying, oh, because technically right now you cannot build on it until the seawall is repaired. But we got the permits. We're ready to go. That's excellent. What is a challenge that the service industry faces that most people probably don't understand? The number one beast is social media. I think, one, it's made people far too comfortable with being disrespectful and downright hateful to people in your face in a restaurant. And secondly, are those reviews. I mean, for heaven's sakes, if if you don't like something or we have made a mistake, just politely let us know. We will do everything we can to fix it. You know, what restaurant owner wouldn't do that? You know, you want, your goal is to make customers happy so they'll come. So I've seen a lot of times, you know, Sisters of the Sea was on the beach, very tourist-oriented business with the mermaid, mermaid swimming pool, all of that. And, you know, we'll, we'll see someone, speak to them. I try and table touch as much as I can, engage with my, my guest. And you think everything's fine and they leave and 10 minutes later, this horrific review pops up. The mermaid didn't speak to my child or our hush puppies were burnt or, you know, for God's sake, say something. Right. So I think those two things, just people being way too comfortable with being rude, especially to my young hostesses, it became quite difficult to have to deal with that day in, day out. And it's hard to keep staff. When, when people are just hateful and, and, and rude. So I'm really looking forward to a little more genteel atmosphere being on this side of the bridge. I know as a local, I hear people say it all the time. 
the bridge, the bridge, the bridge, like it's some kind of, you know, yeah, country state line or whatever. <laughs> but it really is quite a difference. You know, just the difference in the feel and the atmosphere. And I love St. Andrews. I mean, who, who doesn't love it? It's just magical. Absolutely. And I agree with you there. I'm I'm from St. Andrews. That's where I wish I lived. I live in Laguna Beach right now. And there is definitely a difference between tourist culture and locals culture. I feel that the tourists, not to speak badly of them, but it's the truth. They're just more demanding and have less sympathy. And I feel a lot of the things that they would say online, they would never say it to your face. And to me, that's just cowardly and wrong. Exactly. I call them keyboard cowards. That's a good way to put it. But some of them will actually say it to your face. I could tell you some stories. (laughs) Another reason why, in addition to an affordable blue plate specials, we will be keeping the kitchen open late because there's no place to grab a bite after you know, 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. And I, being in the hospitality industry for 45 years, those are my people, you know, those are my comrades. So we'll keep the kitchen open late for hospitality industry to be able to grab a drink, grab a bite to eat after work. And I worked in Vegas for a short while. You know, my background's casino gaming, table games. And in Vegas, it's an old school thing. Your first drink's always on the house if you're service industry. Because the little bit of tourism we put up with here in Bay County in Vegas, it's like pied. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Times 10 million. And, and it's a lot. So when you get off work, you're like, man, I could just, you know, cold beer and a burger. I'm, I'm ready to go. Of course, in Vegas, you can get that at 530 in the morning if you want, because it's a 24 hour town. We won't be open that late, but I do want to give a little shout out to my industry people because they work hard and very few actually live on the beach. So they'll be coming across the bridge, coming through here. So we're, we're hoping to attract some of them and locals as well. I'm a night owl. I may, you know, be looking for a little snacky snack after nine when some of the restaurants are closed or 10 on a weekend. So that's our goal is just make it really affordable, good beverage program, good strong drinks, lots of nice cold beers. And if you're industry and you crew your industry, first drink's always on the house. It's on us. I love that. And that's such a relief that there's going to be another option for a late night eats because as a musician, when you get up late, you're not exactly ready to go home. Not that you want to go out and drink your face off, but sometimes you just want something to eat. And the only options you have are like McDonald's, Taco Bell, and that's that's not really my first choice. And I'm sure it's not anybody else's either. So to hear that there'll be a place that'll be open late and have something good to eat and some drinks and other people because... Musicians are in the service industry, too. Exactly. So it'll be nice to have that kind of fellowship. So reading your bio, you mentioned that you auditioned to be a mermaid at Wikiwachi. I also love Wikiwachi. I got to go there as a kid and go to Buccaneer Bay next door. And we were little girls. We'd always pretend to be mermaids in the pool. So I would say, you know, mermaids are a bit of a spirit animal for me. So have you have you always loved mermaids? Always, always. Just to clarify, I didn't actually get to audition back then. You know, there was no internet. I'm dating myself now. <laughs> no internet. So we had to actually fill out the application, snail mail it in. And I was just about to turn 16. And I got a, I got my first car. And I decided, you know, we can watch you. There's like 20 people that live in the whole town. And I wanted to stay that summer with my friends. I just got my first car and I got a job at Miracle Strip Amusement Park. And that was a great summer. Let me tell you, I I hate that our young kids now don't get to experience that. But yeah, mermaids are my spirit animal. I'll, I'll always be a mermaid. My daughter's a mermaid. I still own the mermaid dive bar over in Biloxi. 
two blocks north of Hard Rock. Shout out. I almost drowned as a kid. My parents were at the Yacht Club over in the Cove. I grew up in the Cove. And they were enjoying their times with their adult friends. And I was always just like a wild child. And I was down on the, at the dock. It was almost dark. And I fell off. Oh, no. So I was out there floating in the water in the dark. And at four, I could barely dog paddle. So it took them a while. When they when they got me, I was not in very good shape, shall we say. I had to go to ER at Bay Memorial, where I was born, and almost died. So I've always thought in my head, I must be a mermaid because I can breathe underwater. And I didn't drown. Oh, my goodness. Now, <laughs> that's a story. Crazy. <laughs> not the best parenting story, but... It's kind of inspired me, you know, throughout my life that you can't drown a mermaid. I love that. So you also mentioned that your father was one of the original owners of Miracle Strip. Did I get that right? Yes, ma'am. His name was Bill Parker. He was one of the original owners and investors. And he eventually sold his shares back to his partners, moved to Myrtle Beach, and was the sole proprietor of the Grand Strand Amusement Park. He built it. The roller coaster there was the Swamp Fox, named after the Swamp Fox of the Carolinas. And we spent a few summers up there, my mother and I, and we lived underneath the roller coaster. Wow. <laughs> right underneath the roller coaster. There was an office duplex with a studio apartment there. And that's where I spent a few summers up in Myrtle Beach. Did you get used to the noise? Believe it or not, you do eventually. I lived by the railroad tracks in Biloxi. So you, you eventually, and then it helps you kind of lull, lull yourself to sleep, believe it or not. You get used to it. I relate to that. I grew up for part of my life in Youngstown, right in front of the river. Highway 231. And every day at about 10 o'clock at night, and then sometime early in the morning, the railroad, the train would go by and rattle the entire house. Mm -hmm. But you got used to it. You do. Yeah. And then it's just part of like, oh, there it goes. You also know what time of day it is. <laughs> yes. It must be 10 o'clock. Because <laughs> they're, for the most part, really on time. Mm -hmm. That's true. So you've got a long history in the gaming business. What made you decide to transition from the gambling industry to the restaurant industry? Well, I was coming up on almost 20 years in table games. I also worked as a casino host for a little bit. And, you know, I was getting a little older, a little long in the tooth, and I had young children. I thought, how many birthdays and sucker matches and things am I going to miss? Because when you work for a Fortune 1000 company like MGM Mirage, they don't care. <laughs> you just show up for work or you don't have a job. They'll get another one just like you. So I, you know, thought, wow, my family's been in the restaurant business forever. I'll just open a restaurant. Wow. <laughs> they tried to warn me. And my very first restaurant was actually a Thai restaurant, 100% wow. authentic Thai called Thai Passion. And I look back on it now. I'm like, I think I had a psychotic moment there, <laughs> but I actually bought the lot, built the building and we went to work and it was so much fun. And then about not even two years later, Katrina hit. Oh, yeah. So that devastated Biloxi. Like one at one point during that storm, the whole peninsula was underwater. No one was left unscathed. It was that was all storm surge, 30 foot storm surge. Michael, totally different. It was more tornadic and wind. I've been through both. Here I am still trying to not not dream. <laughs> You're <laughs> as a mermaid. A, as a mermaid. Yeah. And so after that, we weren't able to get the ingredients we needed to execute authentic Thai food. You have to have a lot of fresh Thai basil and lemongrass and I thought, you know, we were right next to Keesler Air Force Base on the same electrical grid. We got our electricity nine days after the storm. Some people were waiting months and months for the electricity because the whole grid was destroyed. Lights came on one day. We were in there cleaning up. We, where do we do now? So I made a pot of gumbo. There was no grocery stores. I mean, the city was leveled. The Sam's and Mobile was open. I flew over there, bought everything I could, brought it back. 
I made spaghetti. I made a big pot of gumbo. We made garlic bread out of hot dog buns. I mean, you just, you survive. Yeah. And so that dictated our menu of just kind of this crazy mix of all kinds of food. But it worked. People were hungry. Absolutely. I I can imagine what that would feel like because, you know, going through Michael, we were happy to get anything. I remember one of the greatest meals I ever ate came from the Red Cross because mm-hmm. we didn't have anything else. Exactly. <laughs> when you're hungry, that food is delicious. Yes. <laughs> you know, my boyfriend, he buys these freeze-dried meals in case... God forbid there's another disaster. We've been sampling them just to see if we like them. And I had one the other day. It was biscuits and gravy. Like, yep, if this was the end of the world, this would be pretty dark good. Mm-hmm. Some of them were good. We had MRA, MREs that the Air Force were flying over and, and dropping for us. They were pretty delicious. Some of them weren't bad. As a businesswoman who's had, you know, family in business and, you know, you've had different businesses over the years. What advice would you give to a young person who's thinking of starting their first business? Two things. Research, research, research. Because there's a lot of things that you can do to set yourself up for failure unknowingly, unwittingly. I've seen, you know, 22 years as a restaurant owner now, some smaller operations come and go and and make mistakes that had they done their due diligence, they would realize, you know, you, you can't do things like that. Like you have to have a liquor license to serve alcohol and and just, you know, crazy things like that. So you really know your craft, know your business, know your regulation, state, federal, and city ordinances. Second is never give up on your dream. Do your research, learn your craft, and then go for it with everything you've got. That's awesome advice. So since this is a show about St. Andrews, what do you love about St. Andrews? You know, it's kind of hard to put into words. Yeah, growing up in the Cove, I look back on it now as an, you know, older adult. And it was just magical. I remember what it was like at at night. You know, back then we could ride our bikes around at midnight and no one one cared. It was the 70s. And I just remember that feel of the moss and the trees and and the warm breeze coming off the water. And I get that same feel in St. Andrews. And it's my husband and I, we have a little golf cart. So we went down to the marina last night and just watched the sunset. And the water was lapping against the marina and the salty air that comes over you. Still, to this day, I love it. Both of us born and raised here, we still get a big thrill out of it. And I want to see that stay the same. You know, there's been so much. And I know people complain about, oh, the overdevelopment of the beach and all that. I don't think that's going to happen in St. Andrews. I think locals realize the gem that we have here. And I hope that that never changes with overdevelopment because it really is a magical place. You have to feel it, breathe it, and see it to really get it. I am with you there. I feel the same way. I remember being a teenager growing up in St. Andrews and we would ride our bikes up Molitor Avenue, turn less left up at 15th and then go up back Avenue and ride on down to the marina and I hope we never lose that, too, because that was absolutely a wonderful thing to enjoy as a young person. Absolutely. So if you were planning a day for friends that were visiting, what would you suggest for them to do while they visit St. Andrews? I would say start your day with a really nice coffee, if you're a coffee drinker or tea, and just tootle around the marina. I'm obsessed with that marina. I grew up on Tyndall Drive in the Cove, and the Bonifers were neighbors of mine on Tyndall Drive. 
and their son and daughter were like my brothers and sisters. We all went to Panama Christian together. We were very, very close. Bodiford Seafood. So I just remember the mornings on the marina, you know, the boats gearing up to go out. A lot of them had already been, you know, out way earlier in the day. And it's just a fun place to go and, and have your copy and watch the activities. And now there's antique car enthusiasts that are down there, I believe, on Saturday mornings. You've got the market there. As as magical as the sunsets and the evenings are, the mornings are as well. It's a great way to start your day. So much to see and do and such a variety of things. Everything from antique cars to the Panama City coffee guy is there at the market, fresh vegetables, artists. I mean, it's the whole enchilada. It's It's fabulous. So you can start your day like that. And then kind of graze through the afternoon. I'm a grazer, so I like to nibble here, nibble there, and a little cocktail here, a little happy hour. And then I'm also a night owl, so I like to go catch some music. And and then, you know, that's what more could you ask for in a day? Great food, friends and family, wonderful sights and sounds. I don't know how life gets any better than that. I don't either, because that's what I love about St. Andrews, too. And I've come to appreciate it even more, because when I lived there, I could sometimes fall into the habit of being a little bit of a homebody because I'm like, oh, it's right there. But then when I moved away to the beach, I was like, I wish I was right there. I wish I could just, you know, get on my bike or walk or take a little drive and go enjoy it. And it's it's definitely taught me to appreciate it more now that I live down the road a bit. So, Kate, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for being such a supporter of the local music scene and Coming to my show at House of Henry back a while ago and just everything you do. And I look forward to following the progress on your new restaurant and eating there. Oh, you said that there's a, there's a Benedict called the Jezebel. Is that yes, right? Yes, absolutely. It's with fried green tomato and lump crab on top. Oh, that sounds good. And I named it the Jezebel because I'm, you know, like I said, what Panama Christian. So I, that name always stuck with me from, from biblical terms. And it's just a fun Southern thing as, t- as well, too. So when I heard your Jezebel podcast, I went, well, isn't that just perfect? Oh, I love that. I would love to try that sometime. I'd have to get it without the egg, but everything else sounds awesome. All right. So, again, thank you so much for being here. And for folks that want to follow your progress with the restaurant, just find out more about you. How can folks reach you online and beyond? We are currently working on development of the website. And then after that will come the Facebook page. So we're probably about 90 days out on, on that as well. We will be building a stage inside because I know living on Molitor like I do so close to downtown, the noise and the music really does sort of carry. And I know that we're close to residential. So we will have an outside deck there on Lake Ware, but also inside. So late night, we'll have a little bit of music inside as well and hopefully not irritate our neighbors. And I look forward to you coming in and singing for us as well. You know, I'm a big fan of yours. I wanted you to come sing at my wedding. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I would absolutely love to do that. Well, Kate, thank you so much for being here. And until next time. Thank you. Keep St. Andrew salty. Cheers. Watch it. One of the best things about St. Andrews is that you can see live music every day. That's right. There is live music being played somewhere in St. Andrews seven nights a week. Fortunately, my friend Ken Schaefer creates and publishes a weekly schedule for St. Andrews as well as most of Bay County. Ken's spreadsheet schedule is updated often when there's any changes. Ken also shares individual music events and is walking the walk and talking the talk when it comes to supporting live music. 
Not only does Ken supply the music schedules, but he attends several music performances a week and takes fantastic photos of the musicians. As a working musician myself, I feel blessed to have Ken and his wife Donna as treasured members of our local musical family. Make sure you like and follow Ken's page, Salty Sounds in St. Andrews, and Oh Boy Music on Facebook, so that you'll always know where all the live music will happen. Thank you so much, Ken, for everything you do. Lots of fun things happening in St. Andrews this week. Here's some community events for the week of November 10th through the 16th. Let's start out on Thursday, Ladies and Bikers Night with String Theory at the House of Bourbon. This starts at 8 and they go till 11. There's no cover. This is a ladies' night. $2 drinks for all the ladies. Come grab a drink as String Theory rocks the house at House of Bourbon. Let's move on to Friday. From 2 p.m. to 5 p.m., Floriopolis presents Learn to Watercolor, Paint Cards with Annie Mae and Jane at Little Village. This is a free event. Come learn how to paint cards with watercolor. Also on Friday night, 6 to 8 p.m., there is a nativity scene door hanger class at Gypsy Beach Treasure Creations. This is $35 per person. Come paint this nativity scene door hanger just in time for your holiday decorating. All the supplies are included for $35 a person. Pre-registration is required for all the workshops, and you can register at gypsybeachtreasurecreations.com. On to Saturday, I know we're all raring to go for the weekend. I know I am. And this is something that you can bring your kids out to, because every Saturday is the market at St. Andrews. It is in the Oaks by the Bay Park, right across from the Tap Room, right at the end of Beck Avenue. I'm sure this is going to be a fabulous time for you to get a head start on your holiday shopping. There's folks that make soaps and candles, there's produce, and there's always live music right across the street at Tap Room. Don't miss it. Once you get done at the market, watch head on down to Little Village to see the Black Sheep from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. at Little Village. This is a really fun group of musicians, and most of them do play ukuleles. If they've got Don Brown with them, they've got an excellent cellist and guitar player I highly recommend. For your Saturday evening, if you're in the mood to dance, then I suggest you go to the House of Bourbon to see True Soul. True Soul has had a lot of different folks in their band over the years, but they've always been consistently very good. If you like Michael Jackson, if you like R&B and soul, Go to the House of Bourbon Saturday night. I believe it's a free show, 8 p.m. to midnight. Now this, I am very excited about this. I've never heard of such a thing. This is on Sunday, and this is the Pinball Social, and it's hosted by Panama City Pinball. I didn't know we had a Panama City Pinball. This is at the Tap Room, and there's going to be an entry fee of $10, which covers prizes for achieving certain goals through the afternoon. Their goal is to build a community in Bay County that wants to learn and enjoy the hobby of playing pinball casually or competitively. They will teach all the attendees the beginner pinball skills, how to navigate the play fields, and the common methods of reviewing goals, how to play through specific modes in the available games, and hopefully learn wizard modes. They will use a few different tournament modes to show new players how organized pinball can work. Organized pinball, y'all. Wow. Depending on the outcome of the social event, they could potentially provide players with sponsored events and prizes from the International Flipper Pinball Association and Stern Pinball. That sounds exciting. And then Monday evening, you've got Monday Night Little Fest. This is always a fun thing to do when you need something after you get off work on a Monday night. 
It has a different host every week, and it features a few different musicians, usually three or four, and this is always at the tap room from six to nine. Sometimes there's a food truck, but either way, you can enjoy a nice cold brew. They've probably got their fire pits going by now. Enjoy some beer, enjoy some music, enjoy your friends on a Monday night. Coming up on your Tuesday, I highly recommend you go see the Wicked Smooth duo at Little Village and Fins. I think it's also Taco Tuesday. They play from 6 to 9 under the Palapa. All right, so I'm really excited about this because this involves family. My cousin Cass and their partner have opened up a store in St. Andrews that is called Folklore House. And this Wednesday, they are having an event called Coffee, Cats, and Yoga. It's $10 cash or through Venmo, and you can get to your paws and meowditate with Nikki Chan and the Fluffy Yogis. And again, that's at 9 a.m. at Folklore House. Also on Wednesday, if you're feeling artsy, Floriopolis is having their open house from noon to five as they do every Wednesday. They provide the canvas and all the art supplies. All you have to do is show up and make art. And of course, they'll accept donations. This is a great time to get in your masterpiece for the next art exhibit on Janie's Fence. Wrapping up your Wednesday evening, there is a comedy open mic back at Taproom. And this is open to all experience levels. You sign up in person at 730. And this is hosted by Janet Fortune. That's all the community events I've got for this week. Tune in next week for more. And by the way... If you're a St. Andrews artist or a musician or a small business owner or you're having a yard sale, send me an email at ashley.feller at gmail.com or you can private message the podcast and let me know about your event and I just might mention it on the show. Again, that's all I've got for this week. Tune in next week for more. Thank you so much, Kay Brackett, for being on the show. Make sure you follow her on socials. Next week, we have got salty local comedian Marcus Esquire. He'll be here to talk about the comedians that inspired him and his experiences with Panama City Comedy. I am so excited about that. I had a wonderful time talking to Marcus. This recording is actually our first meeting, so I'm glad you get to listen in on that. Again, with a new season coming up, if you're interested in sponsoring an episode or two, send me a message and I'll send you the information about sponsoring. If you liked our theme song, it was written by me and recorded by Dave Schwartz at Boundless Sounds on the campus of Gulf Coast State College. Again, if the podcast has brought value to your life, it would mean so much to me if you followed us on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And also, if you shared it with all your salty friends, keep the word out there. I really appreciate those who are spreading the word because we are growing and I am so excited for next year. Well, y'all, I hope you tune in next week. New episodes drop every Thursday. Till next time, keep St. Andrews salty.